Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon, entitled Carry On, was preached by Pastor Chris. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Well, my name is Chris Stallings, and I get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. I say I get to because I think it's an honor to be a pastor and to get to pastor here at Leeds. And I wanted to share just a minute. I usually on Sunday share a sermon that's part of a series where we take several weeks to kind of go in depth with a topic. And so we teach on topics like inviting people to faith in Jesus or sharing a vision or casting a vision what our church is and can be or even sharing some of the deep foundational doctrines of our faith. But this Sunday and the next Sunday I'm going to share what I'm calling standalone sermons. Just sermons that stand by themselves. We'll cover the topic and then move on next Sunday. And then after Ash Wednesday we'll begin a series in the season of Lent that'll take us up to Easter. And so we're in the part one. No, no, we're just standalone this week. Today our sermon is entitled Carry On. Carry On. When you've experience a sense of stuckedness. Anybody ever heard that word? You know what I'm talking about? You feel like you're stuck or maybe you're even up against the wall or maybe the going gets rough, right? Have you experienced more times than not a tendency to either turn around, give up or to press on? I'll admit there's many times I've faced some of those stuckedness or the wall and I have been tempted to give up and there are times when I have. Maybe these resonate with you. Whenever you come out of the midterm on a class and you've got an F average and you're like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, you're like, just give up and I'll take it again next semester. Or maybe there's other times when you're endeavoring to get in shape it gets hard, right? And I've set out, I'm going to run three miles and at a mile and a half, I feel like I've died twice and I'm like, I'm done, right? And so I give up. But there's other times when I faced a tough circumstances or feeling stuck and I didn't give up and it's been for the better to push ahead. There was a time shortly after college I was working in my first job at a company that was called Philips Magnavox Electronics. We were designing televisions. I was an engineer and I had some success. There was a, a design idea that saved the company a couple of million dollars and so they were like, hey, you're pretty good at this. And so Barry, our project supervisor, was going to be gone for a couple of weeks and he says, I'm leaving you in charge. Yay! I guess because I'd done that good design and in spite of, or not because of, my lack of supervisory experience. And so Barry was gone and I was in charge. And you might imagine how this went. There were engineers that came to me and said, hey, we need help solving this problem. I was like, oh, I don't know, I've never experienced that before. They came to me and said, hey, this work has been delayed. How are we going to catch up the project schedule? And I, oh, I don't know. And so by the time Barry came back from his trip, I was like, here, you take it back, right? I ran up to him. 
shook his hand, maybe even, I don't remember this detail, but I felt like giving him a big old hug and said, welcome back, you're in, in charge again. But I didn't quit in that endeavor. In fact, I worked with Barry and said, how can I do this better if I have a next time? And he gave me some classes to take in project management, a class on how to set priorities and manage your time, both personally and in those that you work with or lead. And I got better at it. And in fact, after a couple of years, they gave me a promotion where I was a supervisor over an engineering team. And after a couple of years after that, I was promoted to be a product manager over a, a product line. And in fact, we all got better at what we were doing that after a year, we converted from or changed from being 10% on time product launch, like only one out of 10 of our products launched on time. To after 12 months, 90% were launching on time. And so whenever I didn't know the why or the how or the what, just didn't know what I was doing, I and others floundered. But when we had the why, what we're doing and how to do it, we could excel. Sometimes it may be good to throw in the towel. I quit, right? But if it's God's purpose for your life, giving up is not God's plan. God wants you to persevere, to carry on. And our purpose can even feel like it gets lost in the midst of the chaos of life. Anybody ever had chaos in your life? Some of you don't even know where you're at right now. Like he's saying, raise your hand. What? Where am I? Right? Like everything happens. That happens even in the church. Right? I remember a time last year. Last year was hard. I had somebody rear-ended me. I had all this trouble with my ears. I couldn't hear. And then in, get ready for summer. And the air conditioning in our gym goes out, right? Like scrambling. That's expensive. Big old air. And then we finally get the money and we replace that. And then one of the air conditions in the sanctuary goes out. And we're like, all this chaos. And, how, and it's easy to let the chaos become the mission. Like, oh, there's another problem. There's another problem. And it can happen in our lives. It can happen in the church. And those chaos become what we focus on. And it can pull us away from what our true mission is. That's why our church's mission, that's why we say it, I say it often, is our mission as a church is to create paths for more folks to know and to grow like Jesus. On the path of worshiping, growing, serving, and reaching. So when all the air condition breaks or whenever, you know, whatever happens in the life of the church, and if you've got a clear purpose of God's before you, in the midst of the chaos, you can stay focused. You may have heard this term. It's okay to glance at circumstances, but you got to keep your gaze on God. Anybody ever heard that before? I don't know where that came from, but it says, hey, when the problems arise, sometimes you got to watch out because they'll hit you, right? But don't let that become your focus. Make sure your gaze stays on God. And so we're going to look at a passage in the Gospel of Mark about how Jesus modeled for us carrying on when there's a lot of stuff going on. If you got your Bible, we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark. Mark is the second Gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, and then Mark. If you got your Bible app, I invite you to turn it on, or if you text it in here, click on that worship guide. There's the scripture in there. Mark 
talks a little bit about the ministry of Jesus. We've looked at that over the last few weeks. But it really is a gospel because it tells the good news of Jesus for those who put their faith in Jesus' resurrection. They might be saved. They will be saved. And so gospels tell the good news. That's what gospel means of the ministry, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to read Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 29. If you want to read along or follow along word for word, set your app. I have a Bible from the New Living Translation or NLT. The word should also be on the screen. Mark 1 verse 29 reads, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went on to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Verse 32, that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Verse 38. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, Thanks be to God. In this story, or this scene from the Gospel of Mark, Jesus and his disciples leave the church and go to one of their homes and they encounter a case where there's a need for someone to be healed. Simon's mother-in-law. You know there's true love if you can heal your mother-in-law. No. Is that too soon? But then the, the news of that event spread so that other people heard about the healing and they came and brought other people and everybody was watching them. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus got up the next morning and went out to pray and yet still more people. Simon goes, hey, I need you to know people are looking for you. They'd be healed. And then we get to verse 38. Jesus says, we must go on to other towns and I will preach to them too. For that is why I came. But, Jesus replied, that is why I came. The original New Testament was written in Greek and the phrase, that is why I came, is hes oto ekomai. And that word hes, E-I-S in Greek, is the why. If you look up in the lexicon what that word means, it says it's a matter or a marker of intent, often with the implication of an expected result for the purpose of or in order to the why. Jesus is saying, this is my why I came. This is the why 
for Jesus and it's to preach to other towns. And so he declares, let's get back to it. If you know the why, the what and the how, you can figure out. If you focus on the what and the how and miss the why, you'll live a life where you're destined for meaninglessness, even if you're very, very busy. You'll miss the purpose for God's plan in your life, and you may miss even the church's purpose. A, mis- a mentor, pastor friend of mine, gave me this visual illustration to help us prioritize or keep the why first. He says, mission is greater than a person, and a person is greater than a task. Mission, person, task. What does that mean? It says the mission that God gives the church is the paramount purpose. And if a person comes in and says, you know what? I'm going to try to hijack that. I'm going to make it about me or I'm going to change it from what God says it's going to be. The mission overrides that. This is uh uh We're going to keep the mission of the church the main thing even if a person doesn't like it. Mission, person, but a person is bigger than a task. For example, if we get involved in the task of the mission and a person fails or stumbles or doesn't do right, they're sick or whatever the reason may be, we still love the person. Still care for them. We still try to help them recover, get back onto the mission of the church. Let's look now at this passage in more depth at how we can help keep the mission of the church to carry on our life mission, the main thing, in the midst of all the stuff that goes on. If you got your worship bulletin or if you click the worship guide online, you can follow along with these points and take notes, fill in the blank. And I don't think I have stars to give out today, but you'll get the extra blessing of having completed it. But also that it might be helpful to you that you remember it and apply it to your life. Number one, carry on, give care. Give care. Mark 1, 31, the first part of that verse says, So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her. If you were to look ahead in the Gospel of Mark to chapter 12, you see this encounter where Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And a second one is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there's no doubt that caring for people is part of the mission. Love God, love people. Mission is the most important thing. People are next. And then the task. When someone is sick, we offer compassion. We offer prayer for them. We offer care for them. We may take a casserole. Anybody still make casseroles and care to people when they're sick? Come on. What do you care to people when they're sick? I heard those orange rolls are good. And... Uh, I may need. We sometimes go visit folks when they're sick. We sometimes even may lay hands on them and pray for a miraculous healing in people's lives. 
It goes against the kind of cultural norm that comes from this might makes right or the survival of the fittest that is the opposite of what Jesus says whenever I look for people to love their neighbor as themselves. We care for folks. In our Methodist tradition, our practice of the means of grace, that care or compassion is one of the means of grace we know as acts of piety. Where we care for the sick, where we care for those in prison, where we care for those who are abandoned. And when we care for others, it like exercises our compassion muscle. Now some of you have a compassion muscle and you're like, it's like the muscle in your pinky and God says I want it to be well that may not be that big I don't know wherever your biggest muscle is right some of it may be here but to exercise it where it gets bigger and stronger when you exercise your compassion muscle it does grow and you start seeing oh there's a, a way I can be compassionate or care for other people and when the muscle grows it gets you stronger so that you can encounter the hardships of life it's part of the core of being able to carry on if you live a life where you don't care about people you get so calloused where no one's suffering affects you you miss out when you exercise your compassion muscle, it gives you strength. And the more strength you have, the more carry on you have. Number one, carry on, give care. Number two, carry on, receive care. Receive care. The second part of verse 31 says, Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Now, in this verse, don't read into it something that's not there. This is not a command that all mother-in-laws fix all the meals. But if you got the gifts of helps or hospitality or casserole, use it, right? But it doesn't mandate that. It also doesn't mandate a kind of keeping score of ministry, right? Like if you do something, they're going to automatically do something back. But it does establish the reciprocity, Whew, that's too big for me. But a kind of thing where you're not only expected to give care, you need to receive care. There's times when you need a lot of care. But you need to recognize that you're human. God recognizes that you're human. And that you need to care for your humanness. That's why God created this concept the Bible calls Sabbath. Have y'all heard that before? Sabbath. S-A-B-B-A-T-H, I think. Sabbath. If we look to the Genesis creation story, God created first day. Seventh day, God did what? Rested. He modeled for us rest. And in the Old Testament law, it was command on the seventh day you're to rest. And whenever Jesus was talking about Sabbath, he says in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath. In order for us to live, we need a, a cycle, a rhythm of rest, recovery, care for ourselves. Some of you need to learn that life is not a sprint, but rather a marathon. And if you keep trying to sprint your whole life, you're going to kill yourself. Right? 
Like, I can do it. And even it can be about an important thing. My family, my work, even church work. I've seen this in secular careers and people that work in church. You get so involved about the goal, you forget to care for yourself. At least through Sabbath and even other times when you need more care. You need to establish a rhythm of Sabbath where you have a season of work. God calls it six days and then a shorter season of rest where you recover, where you care for yourself. There's a classic analogy from anybody ever fly on an airplane? Do y'all like flying on an airplane? It's pretty cool. But they come on like there could be a disaster on every flight, right? It's like direct your attention to the front for the safety presentation. Y'all know these, that kind of stuff, yeah? Right? Everybody do this. Y'all not in the mood to do that. All right. Well, in that spiel about safety, they get to this concept about the oxygen mask. It says, if you're traveling with someone who may need your help, place your own oxygen mask before assisting others. Y'all heard that before? It implies you can only go so long without oxygen and you can't help anybody if you're suffocating for no oxygen. That's true in your life. You need rest. You need care and it's okay to do that. Now don't interpret that to mean that's all you get. It's not a 24-7 vacation. Some of you may need to kick in the pants to get going again. But whenever you're working and you're doing stuff in life you need a rhythm of rest and care. Carry on. Receive care. Number three carry on soul care soul care on the slide I mistyped this this is actually Mark 1 35 the words are there though before daybreak the next morning Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray our why starts with the mission of God for us and our what and our how must be grounded in the mission of God for us. What we begin and what we continue in the mission, we must participate in the regular means of, means of grace. Those things God has ordained to be the way he conveys prevenient, saving, and sanctifying grace. The means of grace include things like prayer. If you're not praying, you're not going to be able to carry on in God's plan for your life. Reading and learning from Scripture. Engaging regularly in a group of accountable relationship with other followers of Jesus. Participating in the sacraments of Holy Communion and Baptism. Jesus modeled this his earthly ministry and his life, his human nature depended on the means of grace to continue the deep love for God the Father. Even in the ministry he did, relied on his participation in the means of grace. During the chaos of seeing people hurt or sick or demon-possessed, people who needed physical or mental or emotional healing, Jesus got up that morning and prayed. It's the number one priority if we look at his calendar. And then he was immediately confronted with the 
do we do this or do that? And he said, nope, this is what we're going to do. This is my why. That's why I came. And he carried on. I invite you today, this week, to make sure in your life you've got the why. That you hadn't let the chaos become your why, but you've got the why. That you know you are created by God and for God and you can be restored in that relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, his resurrection, to repent of your sin and believe in him. And once you've got the why, you develop these carry-ons in your life of caring for others, of receiving care and practicing soul care that you may carry on that you may know the why and God provide the what and the how let's pray God thank you so very much for your love for us your mysterious love God we thank you so much for your care for us we thank you for the life ministry and example of Jesus how he cared for others how he received care how he practiced the means of grace. God, help us to know our why. Help us to develop these carry-ons. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.